I'm trying to turn the volume down, but it keeps going. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. Everything's being bitchy tonight. So let's slap a number on this before it explodes. Okay, this is episode number 204 of Slappercast, y'all. Yes. We have a special guest this week, as promised. An extra special guest, country fried Mr. Bob Ruggiero of the Houston Press fame. Country fried, yes. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's the saint. We contacted him on Twitter a, a few days before our Pogues tribute show, and he got a, a last-minute article written up and uh, put in the press, and it was very, very helpful. Wonderful success. Yeah, absolutely. So he, he wrote about On the Dole twice, right, at least, back in at the day? Least, at least. Yeah. So, yeah, my first, my first attempt at a rock band, and he was in, he was in the door you know, just uh, believed it from the from the get. Of course, you know, we said a little pogues and he got very excited. So good to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So number uh, 204, we are out the door uh, after uh, episode 204. That's we're, right. we're, we're, we're heading off to San Angelo and then we're going to go to Phoenix or Chandler, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, Bisbee, Arizona. And we're going to U-turn, come right back because we miss you all already. So uh, <laughs> let's get a kill in before we get uh, Ruggieri on the phone. We're going to spring it on him. Just uh, yeah. see how quick he is on those Italian feet. So, <laughs> so do you, do you want to go first, or would you like me to go? Would you like me to kill first? Your choice. Sure, I I can go. All right, go. Um, in honor of Mister Bowie, who who passed or passed away. God, I don't remember. His birthday was two days ago. So you're uh, going to kill us. You're going to kill his catalog. Yeah, no. I'm going to do him a favor. I, I already killed one song of his. He, he had two songs that he famously was absolutely sick of. And one of them is Young Americans. I killed that a few months ago. The other one was Space Oddity. Um, his first number one. I don't know. It was, I guess it wasn't a number one hit, but it was a, that was a song that broke his career. But he understandably got very sick of singing it after a while. And I think he retired. It was one of those songs that he retired in the 90s and he didn't ever play again, I think. So I, I love the song. I used to cover it. It was actually the chord, the opening chord of that is one of the, the that's how Patrick coaxed me on the stage to play the, foot, the first time I ever set foot on stage at the Beverly Pub uh, on an open mic. And we've been talking about Bowie. So you, you're just up there and you just play the first, the, that first F, F, I don't know, some F thing where the E string is open. And I said, oh, I know that song. He goes, and you handed the guitar. So here you go. It's like, all right. Um, anyway, yeah. So I, I'm going to do Bowie a favor and and go ahead and kill that song as he would. I guess I guess he had kind of already killed it actually. <laughs> so anyway, and I'm going to revive uh, a deep cut of his, which was actually I know is one of his favorites as well because he did a list of them for a for a magazine once um, off of Diamond Dogs, which is still I think probably my favorite album of his. Which is it's hard to choose, but that that album is absolutely uh amazing and there's a song on there which is this epic sprawling thing and then three parts called sweet thing you can just call it sweet thing but it's actually on the record you see it says sweet thing candidate and sweet thing reprise but it's all really one song it's it's tracked as three different tracks but it's an absolutely amazing song and some of his best lyrics some of his best uh singing and he that, uh, again from diamond dogs i think you may have talked about it before but a lot of people don't know that he played most of the lead guitar on that record Something he had never done before, he never did again. <laughs> so it's got this really gritty, you know, kind of almost grungy kind of uh, feel to it. But it's really great, fun guitar playing. I think the only one of the only songs, I think there's two songs he didn't play on, uh, maybe one. But that riff, like for example, "Rebel Rebel," that da 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 da. That's him. That's him playing guitar on that track. And it's just kind of funny. You would think that he would be going around bragging about the fact. That <laughs> 
yeah you know you know that song that was me playing guitar yeah but he had no reason to brag but anyway yeah so sweet thing on diamond dogs the whole record's fantastic but go and check that out and uh give give his uh, deeper tracks a chance because the man did a lot of brilliant work and he deserves to be known for more than the two songs that he absolutely despised <laughs> and happy birthday mr bowie yeah happy birthday in the coffin gotcha yeah happy dirt day um very cool very cool well i i just had the luxury of hearing bush counting crows foo fighters (laughs) and chicago all in the same fucking piece of hell so let me just tell you this how do in a car so let me just tell you Uh, okay awful every single one of them but the, the biggest offense to my ear holes was the uh the fucking monkey wrench by a band called Foo Fighters. Awful, awful, awful. Just tripe. So I guess I guess I like the groove. You know, it's got a little bit if I if I have to shine a light on something in there, if I have to pick something positive, it's got a bit of a bit of a groove going, but god damn, there's nothing nothing about yeah. that song. Kill, kill, kill. Yeah. Whose car were you in? <laughs> Why were you listening to all this stuff in the car? There's a police car, I've been arrested, but out now. Oh. Out now, they're 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 merciless around here. And then shining a light on. Well, since since you did Bowie, I'll do Elvis. Yeah, a, a song that we've we've never I, I know mentioned we've never messed with, but a song called Trouble. Yeah. yeah. As, as as a child, I was a big 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 favorite of mine, and I kind of just lost lost it over the years. And um, I just think it's a I just think it's a great vocal performance. You know, all those later, you know, those later sixties tracks were. You know his voice was always great, but it really, he really, he really started his started. He, he, he it just it just matured so much, and he had such a great command over his uh, delivery. Those songs, my, my my favorite era of his stuff was that gaudy, you know, reverb filled slapback echo, you know, big 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 uh, Vegas you know sound. You know, he was putting a few pounds on, and he was but just. Every single bit of his voice was just, yes, nailed. So, there's a little piece of trouble and uh, second worst. Yeah, um, with the new arrangement has even more of it now at the end, the very oh, end yeah. of it. The, the lyrics had it to begin with. You know, Evil, she's all verse. I think that that's a little bit of a little bit of a tip of the hat there. Yeah, there's there, there's there's a few more coming like that. There's so much, there's so much Elvis in, inspired. You know, I mean, even even the Bowie stuff, you can tell by when Bowie was 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 tracking a lot of the Beatles. Everybody everybody touched on that on that kind of oh yeah on that kind. Of, you know, he he just he was he was that that th- not thread, but he really was. He was in the fabric of of every piece of rock and roll. You know, and uh, I'd never got to yeah. hear, but I heard horrible things about Danzig. Danzig Glenn Danzig did a. Uh, an Elvis record because um, they would they always call call him the metal Elvis or the the dark evil Elvis or whatever but th- those songs are begging to be retouched and that not not in the R. Kelly way I just mean re mm-hmm. you know you know yeah. just have a little modern flavor thrown in there and see see what happens so you know we, we'll look more down 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 the road you know that stuff but uh, that big oh, big, big fans that stuff I'll say too. I don't, I'm not trying to steal your thunder here, but just while we're talking about Mr. E, if you ha- if you guys have never heard his cover of Memphis, Tennessee, Chuck Berry's Memphis, Tennessee, go and listen to that and listen to those fucking drums in that track, Mr. Ronnie Tut. 
just killing it. This just great jungle groove he plays on that throughout the entire song. And it's, and you can tell Elvis, Elvis never sang a song he didn't like. I mean, maybe he did when he was doing the movie songs and stuff, but in the seven, the seventies, he was totally picking stuff that he wanted to play. And yeah. he, he has a lot of fun with that song. Yeah. It's so great. Bob, thanks for doing the, uh, this awful, awful, awful hour. What is it? 6 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, I didn't uh, see your message until a little later, uh, and I wasn't available yesterday. So, the, yeah, this, this is fine. I'm actually, I'm actually at my, my day job now. So, um, yeah, you, know, you might – hopefully a random woman doesn't come through the door, <laughs> which I know you're used does. to random women coming through your door. So. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of day job is this? Yeah. All right. We're, we're lucky enough to have uh, the, 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 the one, the only Mr. Bob Ruggiero. Ruggiero, that's an Irish name, right? Yeah, very Irish from the, the, the Mediterranean uh, toward the bottom of the boot. So, yeah, the boot <laughs> yeah. of Ireland. So. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Matt, thank you for uh, for for all you did. We did the great article and uh, getting all those heads out to the Continental Club for a Pogues show. That was very nice of you. But we've known you for a lot longer than that. Yeah, uh, way back in the uh, the mid late nineties, I was trying to find my uh, on the Dole cassette that you had <laughs> sent me many many years ago, and it's been <laughs> been lost to the mists of time. So yes, hey kids, remember those remember cassettes? So. <laughs> yeah, they, they they taste a little bit better than CDs, but they're they're. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I still have I still have a ton of them. I still have a the double cassette player, and you know, still to listen to that. But uh, you know, like I said, we're we're just delighted to get you on. But just for those who don't know, you, you've been writing for the Houston Press for just a zillion years now, right? Yeah, since uh, since 1997. I mean, uh, that was back in the day when you really didn't have a whole lot of internet or or emails or things to research bands or 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 learn about their music or things like that so it was really really old school back then <laughs> i don't want to sound too much like you know you know grandpa tell us about the good old days of the houston music scene here so but houston music scene uh, we we talk about this often it's huge it's it's much bigger than people around the country have any idea of you know the 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 enormity of it what's your what's your you know, obviously with bands like CC Top and, uh, you know, people with Houston ties and whatnot, you know, uh, King's X and that kind of stuff. Who's your Houston top? Top guy from Houston would have to be uh, Lightning Hopkins. I mean, going back way, way far back. He is uh, one of my, my absolute favorite bluesmen of all time and his uh, career in Houston and where he played just a rich, rich history and, and people around the world know about lightning hopkins um, oh, yeah. there's a famous story about ringo Starr that he was so obsessed with lightning hopkins uh, as a teenager he, act, he and a friend actually went to the consulate to see about moving to houston uh, simply because lightning that's where that's, lightning hopkins was from that's <laughs> so, right that's right wow wow and did that ringo yeah. Starr guy did he ever do anything does he uh, i don't know he uh, was with a, a really a disposable pop group so uh, <laughs> you know they're around for a few years uh, there's there's a famous interview with Ringo actually right around the early times of Beatlemania where they asked him what he was going to do when this whole music thing kind of fizzled out in a couple of years. And he very seriously said he wanted to open a, a series of ladies hairdressing salons because yeah. at that point, the idea of a even four or five year pop music career was was was, you know, yeah. unimaginable. Yeah. Yeah. They were all saying that like, oh, I know yeah, a few more years and, you know, and then we'll figure something else out. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. God, that's crazy. And, and 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 as far as biggest get, who would who would your biggest get ever be? You know, like as far as interviews or 
Is there one that stands out? Or? I would say, uh, well, my biggest, one of my most memorable gets was uh, Eddie Van Halen. God. And it was because he uh, called me from a hotel room in Scandinavia at three or four o'clock in the morning where Van Halen was playing. And I just happened to schedule an interview that time. He was doing a lot more press because he was promoting the uh, ill-fated Van Halen three album when Gary Sharon took over as lead singer. Oh no. And it was just, you know, weird to set my alarm waiting for a call from Eddie Van Halen. Sure enough, it came on time. And, uh, I had to, he had to wait a little bit while he ordered his room service, so I could hear him, you know, ordering food in the background before he got back on the phone. So. Wow! What did he, what did he order? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a week later, I was in a, a private audience while they uh, they opened their tour here at the Woodlands in Houston, and I was one of maybe ten people that got to go to the. Uh, the full show rehearsal they did the day before. So that was just really, really bizarre getting to see that. Really wow. cool, though. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's – God, that's just uh, – that's it really doesn't get any better than that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, well, I've had some some great opportunities. Uh, because most of the, the stories I do are previews, I tend to do almost all my interviews on the phone beforehand. But it's still very cool to talk to a lot of my, you know, classic rock heroes, uh, you know, speaking for for this podcast, I've gotten to talk to Scott Gorham uh, twice from Thin Lizzy and, and oh, Brian cool. Robinson. And uh, that that's really cool to get their stories about Phil and and Thin Lizzy back in the day. Wow, man, that's just I've, I've got goosebumps. That's yeah, Scott and, and, and Scott is one of these. That might, that might be a medical condition, Patrick. You yeah. might want to you might want to look into that. So it, it's all right. It, it's just I just added to the list. Um but yeah, Scott is Scott's one of those people. He's just one of those just just truly generous people with not just stories, but you know, but the, with their time. You know, they just seem to wait till the last person has been you know signed and photographed and whatnot. It was just you know, just for the stuff that I've seen, he's just been so gracious. You know, and that's that's often that's often very uh, very rare. You know, when you when you get to meet these yeah, people, yeah. You know. And I, I brought uh, I brought something to show. Uh, you know, I'm such a big Thin Lizzy fan. So uh, I was able to get their uh, UK-only box set, uh, yeah. and I had a friend who came over from England to visit, and I said, I want you to bring me one thing, and, and he was able to bring me this. So it's pretty cool. That's, uh, nice. that's beautiful. Yeah, God, that, that's, that should really be the next – that should be the next uh, tribute show. should be a Thin Lizzy. I just <laughs> – I, I, I can't – Yeah. I, I, I just can't find even 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 their their you know what people would concern or fans of, of Thin Lizzy would consider throwaway songs are there's there's gems in there that be it lyrics or you know something there's just just such a it's a magnificent group yeah it's a, it's really a shame that they're they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame but I think the bigger shame for Thin Lizzy here in the states is and you and I have discussed this before they're only known basically for the boys are back in town and, yeah. and maybe jailbreak and their yeah. catalog is just so rich, uh, so deep with all the different lineups, you know, between Eric Bell and, and then Scott Gorham and, and Brian Robertson, and then switching into, you know, the John Sykes, snowy white area there, there's a lot uh, going on within Lizzie that unfortunately never really caught on in the States. Yeah. Gary Moore, yeah. of course, you know, the just the- Gary Moore. Oof. Yeah. I get on these tangents on, on these kicks and I'll just go down these things. But Gary Moore, uh, I, I saw him uh, right when he started hit. There were, he, I, I can't say at the beginning, but it was the uh, the Corridors of Power tour, Victims of the Future, that around that time. And just seeing that guy just go from that kind of bluesy, kind of psychedelic skid row 
and then you know through Thin Lizzy, and then but then when he when he arrived at that, I thought that was it. But the, the lyrics were always just kind of tired. He, he ne- never a great lyricist. You know, he's kind of the Angus Young approach of you know just if there's lyrics, that just means it, you're you're getting in the way of the guitar solo, you know. And and, and he, he had so much to say with his hands. It it it's it, it's just it the, the lyrics always were throw with 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 Gary. But then Phil was the complete opposite. You know, Phil would write these beautiful poems and then just be able to put these rock songs behind it. And it was just just magnificent. Yeah, I saw on actually I saw on Twitter this morning, uh, somebody posted a, a photo of Phil back from when he was like a model, even before he got into, into into rock. He was doing a lot of modeling assignments around around Dublin. And it's just really weird to see this like super fresh faced you know, guy with this this giant afro, you know, posing with with fashion clothes. <laughs> yeah, and he was a huge. He was into he was into clothes. He was always into uh, his, his his. I read his mother's book, uh, uh, the My Boy by by Philomena, and uh, mm-hmm. she was always talking right. about how he would be able to when he when he would bring clothes as gifts, you know, be it for her or for his uh, two daughters, he would they would just fit. Exactly. And they would be perfect, you know, just, just, so he really had a, a, just one of these just monster talented people, just you know, much like yourself, just many, 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 many different, you know, just so many different parts to him, you know? And so how did you get, how did you get wrapped up in all this? I mean, how did you get, I, I know you're, you, you're the longest writer, right? You got this, in, you got seniority. <laughs> yeah, they, right? uh, they can't get rid of me after, after uh, 26 years. So, um, God. no, I was, uh, I've lived most of my life in Houston. And then uh, after college, uh, I spent a few years in Savannah, Georgia, where I was the editor of a alternative, you know, weekly there. And then I eventually moved back to Houston. Well, I know I wanted to continue, you know, music journalism and things like that. It wouldn't be a full-time gig. It wouldn't, you know, pay the bills and put, put food on the table. But I still wanted to do it. So I moved back to Houston in late 96. And by 97, I had started contacting people over at the Houston Press to see if I could get any sort of uh, freelance work. And the music editor at that time was a guy named Hobart Rowland. Yeah. And uh, I'll always be uh, grateful to him for, for giving me the chance. But I remember my, my first piece I ever did was like a hundred word preview piece for a uh, local band called Rosebud. And as I mentioned back then, you know, bands really didn't have websites or you can really contact them. So I wanted it to be real, you know, real complete. So I went and actually saw them in concert the week before I wrote this tiny hundred word piece. on them, And uh, that was 20, 26 years ago. Where, where, where was the gig? Uh, Rudyard's. It was at Rudyard's yeah. upstairs. Yes. Yeah. And, that, and that hasn't been. I was swept. thinking. uh yeah, I was thinking earlier today about just all the great Houston music venues that, uh, you know, that don't exist anymore. Places like the the Satellite Lounge and Walters and the Engine Room and the Meridian and Fitzgerald's and, uh, you know, even Mary Jane's. And uh, a lot of those great, great rock clubs just don't don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Black Forest. And uh, uh, did did you ever did, what, what about places like uh, Natsuo, like places downtown, these kind of underground, not you know, just just off the beaten track have you have you ever ever seen shows there or yeah well back in the back in the day again this is you know grandpa yelling at the clouds type stuff um when we used to have the houston press music award showcase yeah if you remember it would be like 15 or 20 clubs downtown uh, you know, the clubs, performance place, spaces uh, venues like natsuo and it would just be one day on a saturday or, or sunday all day bands, you know, all yes. day long. And then you would vote in the different categories. I think we used to have about 15, 20 different types of categories, you know, best rock band, best 
rockabilly band, you know, best uh, all kinds of different categories. And you get to see all these bands and these, you know, half hour sets that you never get a chance to see all in one place before. And I used to love just going downtown and just seeing all the other Houston music lovers just walk from club to club to club and just dropping in and out. And that was a really cool way to see a lot of these bands that you might, you know, might see 15 or 20 and really like two or three. But then that's a band you would go see for the rest of the year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I missed that, that, that whole thing. You, yeah. These, these clubs are so, I mean, they're still there. I mean, a lot of these clubs are still there, but you just don't hear about them. And then I'll, I'll talk to an out-of-town band online about something, and they'll say that they're playing it. I say, oh, yeah, I forgot all about this. this these, these, <laughs> these, these venues are just, they're, they're you know, part of the tapestry of the, the music scene, but you just never hear of, you know, of anybody doing anything there, but. I guess yeah. I guess they're I, I still- used to love one of my one of my favorite places to go to <clears throat> was the Meridian, and that was back behind the George R. Brown Convention Center. And I saw, you know, Kings of Leon did their first show in Houston there, and I saw the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. But the the best band I saw in the Meridian was uh, the Cramps, and I'd always wanted to see the Cramps, never had a chance to see them. And Lux Interior had to have been in his late fifties, early sixties at this point, and and he was just shimmying up the poles uh, on the stage, and it was. Yeah. Uh, that was a great show. Yeah, we we played there a few cool. times. We we opened for uh, David Allen Cole. We opened for uh, Cowboy Mouth. Was it Cowboy Mouth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cowboy Mouth. Them twice. It was once there, and then again at Fitzgerald's. Fitzgerald's. Yeah, later. Um, yeah. Just yes. yeah, a great a great uh, venue, and just uh, so so many memories from there. But but your your uh, your your love of writing, your your I mean your 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 just your your humor is comes through in your pieces it's just it really is it's it, it's one it's, it's great to and, and also it, uh, uh, we have to put your twitter handle on there too i, I love your, your your twitter just just rapid fire just great stuff you know <laughs> so how, how did you get started and all what 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 was your what what, what pushed you for that uh well i was always interested in in writing and uh music they're the two of my great interests so it just yeah. seemed great to, to put the two of them together and you know, I just love talking to to musicians. I mean, I, I can't I can't play for shit. I mean, I tried playing guitar once. I could never make it past the F chord. So, um, yeah, you know, I wanted to write about it. And I just love hearing about bands and and the creative process and just meeting cool people. Uh, Chad and I were talking. Uh, I think one of the last times we saw about the first time I met the two of you guys at, at Shane McElroy's when we did that interview for the first piece I ever did on blackguards, not the blackguards, but blackguards back in, uh, God, that must've been 2000, 2001, something like that. Probably 2004. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that was cool. And I just like, you know, like meeting musicians. Yeah. But you're not snarky. You're not uh, I think, but it's just, I love your, I love your dry just, but, but just to the point. And where, where did you learn? Where did you, where did you learn to write? Uh, really a lot of it in, in college, I went to the university of Texas and, you know, the funny thing is that I really, I learned some in my journalism classes where I really learned how to, you know, do research and interview a subject and, and, and get the story was I spent four years at the daily Texan, which was the student newspaper there, uh, oh. all, all my time in the entertainment department. So, uh, I'd be in that basement as much as possible, just learning about journalism and, and reading music journalists. And because Austin was such a great music scene, you know, I would get to talk to John Lee Hooker because he was playing Antones down the road and just so many great bands coming through. So that's really where I kind of, kind of honed my chops, uh, doing that. And then of course I spent four years in, uh, in Savannah doing that as well. Oh, okay. Cool. The great town, great town. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, and the, uh, the St. Patrick's day festival there, I was shocked to learn was, I guess, like the second largest in the nation. And then I couldn't believe it. And then the first time I was able to experience one of those and the whole city just shut down. It was just, you know, drunk fest on the river all day long. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, we we we, uh, we we got to know uh, we, got, we got to be friends with uh, the Nassau County firefighters, uh, their 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 marching band, and uh, they were they were asking us, you know, you know, can you can, you know can we do something in Savannah together? And Patty's day, I said, what the hell would you go to Savannah for? That's when we found out that they're they leave New York. To go to do the Savannah Festival, I mean, to the, you know, the Patty's Day. Yeah. I said, what the hell is that about? And it's true; it's the biggest. You know, it's it, it, it's just monster. You know, like you say, they shut everything down and do it right. So Ireland doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob, besides besides us, uh, what what was what are some of your most like awkward or what's the most awkward interview that you conducted with a, with a musician? Most awkward. Wow, that's a, that's a that's a good <laughs> question. Um, Probably with Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. uh, You know, Brian had obviously, anyone who follows his story, the Beach Boys story, know that he's had, you know, emotional and health and and kind of mental issues all of his life. So I was shocked when I was offered the chance to interview him on the phone before he did the the Pet Sounds tour at the, uh, I think it was the Aerial Theater back then downtown. So I was very excited about that. And I usually prepare, you know, uh, 12 questions to uh, when I, when I interview somebody and I, and I don't like to do like, you know, question, answer, question, answer. I like to flow more like a conversation, but I always prepare 12 questions. So we get on the phone and, and, and Brian's handler calls me and he passes the phone to Brian. And so I, I start asking questions and Brian answered all my questions in usually three or four words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he, was, he was nice and he, there'd be like a sentence or two that, that he would get out and then there would be like dead silence on the phone. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh shit. So, you know, pretty soon I ran through my entire list of, of 12 questions and I was, it was kind of, you know, weird. And uh, the interview was over in, th- in three minutes. <laughs> so that was the, the shortest interview it was under the like two minutes and, and 50 seconds or something like that. The only time I got a little lengthier answer out of him was a Beach Boys TV movie had just shown up and played uh, on, on ABC or something like that. And it talked a little bit about uh, Dennis Wilson's involvement with Charles Manson and, and you know, the Manson girls and that whole situation. And uh, and I asked him a question about that and, and it upset Brian. And he answered in three sentences for that, that it, he said, uh, just Charles Manson was a very bad man. Mm. So. Um, I wouldn't say it was necessarily awkward. I was just uh, ran through a lot of questions in a very short amount of time. So the next time I got to talk to him a few years later, I made sure I had 20 questions ready. Uh, That was about a five minute interview. (laughs) (laughs) Was it the same thing? The same short answers? Same. Yeah. Same. If you, uh, if you watch, uh, uh, I think long promise road is just great documentary that just came out on him last year. He's a, you know, he's, he's there, but he just, he answers very short. And when he's done, he's -hmm. done. He's just waiting for for the next question. Yeah. yeah, I think the best interviews I've seen, or, or just conversations I've seen with him on film, has been when he's sitting down with other musicians. Like, uh, there actually, this was a long time ago, but there's there's a phone call he did with. Well, maybe I actually think Sean was in the room. Sean Lennon went to go visit him. Oh, and okay. They, yeah. they had they had this. He's and you can hear Brian just and really animated in the talk because he's just so excited to talk to uh, to Sean, you know, John Lennon's son. And because obviously Brian was a huge, huge Beatles aficionado himself. Sure. But, uh, yeah. Only one interview in my, in my career, I, I've just completely lost control over. 
And that was when I talked to David Lee Roth on the phone. Oh, no. <laughs> calling me. Now, David Lee Roth is, is a super smart guy, I think. He's very intelligent. But, man, is he all over the fucking place. I mean, all over. Uh, that, 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 if, you, if you've seen him do that, that's not a character. That, that, that's how he really is. That's, that's and so I had him on the phone. And he, yeah, I had, I had him on the phone. And he was you know talking as his tour bus was going on. This is when he did the tour with, with Sammy Hagar. And they both... It was like the two singers from Van Halen. He was like, ah, I, I asked one question and he went off in a million different tangents. And the only time I, but I was able to stump him because I just happened to learn that day that a local promoter, uh, Houston promoter was suing him for a show that he did, never did in Texas. <laughs> so David Lowe was like, blah, blah, blah. and I said, okay, I've got one last question. And I always call it my hang up question. Like the most sensitive thing I want to ask an artist or the most controversial, I always yes. save it for the last. Yes. That way, if they hang up on me, I've still got a full, full story. So my <laughs> question was asking about this lawsuit that had just been filed against him here in Houston. And he just, he just stopped talking. <laughs> He's like, well, I forgot what he, what he said, but uh, that was the end of the interview. Oh, so. no. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny you mention him. Just David Lee Roth to me is the greatest frontman of all time because of that. He does have scripted answers, and he has he has these mm -hmm. radio bites that he'll give you as an answer, and you have to sift through it see if you can make head nor tails of that. You know, last statement or, but he he speaks like a radio ad or a TV ad. <laughs> he speak that's his dialect. That's how he communicates, but. I saw, uh, you know, I've seen many of the Howard Stern interviews where it's going to be Howard and then he's got Robin in the booth and he's got, you know, so-and-so, you know, running sound, I guess, or, but they all, they're all mic'd up and he'll, he'll, you know, he'll give you the skiddly doodle bop answer and they'll <laughs> talk among themselves, go, did you hear, did you get anything out of that last fucking sentence? And they go, I don't know what he's talking. And he's sitting right there, <laughs> but he's just... <laughs> Again, that mind, it's scrambled eggs, but it's scrambled eggs on cocaine and, and, yeah. you know, you know I, he's not. I remember when he, he took, he took over for, um, on the station when Howard left to go to, uh, satellite radio. Yeah. And so David Lee Roth had the morning show for a while and it just, it, it didn't work out. It was too, too much, too early. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. He's a, he's a, he's a, Great frontman, tenacious frontman. And, you know, the story is the only reason he was ever hired in Van Halen uh, was because he had a sound system yeah, right. and, and speakers and a, that and Eddie place, and Alex could use. And a place to rehearse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. God, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a whole, that's a whole world to me. D David Roth is the, you know, he'll tell you that, I mean, if you give him enough time, he will tell you that he invented and hung the moon. He will just absolutely, and he'll convince you. <laughs> You know, there's a great Henry Rollins story where he, he they meet once and then he tells him this story. He, round, he he rattles off the sales of the show and blah, 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 everything itemized. And then he ran into him. Henry Rollins ran into him years later and, they, and he talks about the same thing. And he goes, how do you remember this stuff? And he goes, I ballpark, I guess. You know, he goes, but it's it's not actual information, but it's kind of, you know, it's, it, it's a maybe a snapshot of something that happened. But so he's not out there just bullshitting you just that you know you know but he's he's yeah he's incredible what's and and, and on that too i mean so so you're um, so you've been writing for all this time i mean and you're you, you i mean do, do you still love it i mean it's because it certainly looks like you do when, when you read your your work yeah yeah i absolutely love it i mean again what is better than getting to talk to 
musicians and, and legends and cool people. I'm actually working now on uh, putting together a, a book that I'm going to self-publish of my best classic rock interviews of the past Fantastic. 35 years. Awesome. And, uh, it's already up to like 520 pages, so I may have to do a little a little trimming on on that. But uh, you know, just going back and and rereading all my stuff from you know again going back 35 years, I've done, I've got to talk to a lot of you know great people. I mean, uh, Alice Cooper, Peter Frampton, uh, just a, a who's who of classic rock people, and it, it's just been it's been a great a great journey so far. Who, who's somebody who uh, who was. Uh like you thought was surprisingly generous with their time and their answers when you interviewed uh, I two two always pop out to me and, and that's uh, Alice Cooper and Peter Frampton. I mean, just two of the, the nicest guys in the world. Uh, you know, very generous, uh, particularly Alice is very skilled at doing interviews, but he, he gives you a, a, you know, a direct answer. I've gotten to talk to him uh, four times over the years, but cool. uh, a quick story about, about Peter Frampton. I was, I was very excited to get to talk to him, you know, cause he was a giant, my father was a giant fan of his. I, I, that Frampton Comes Alive album and I'm in You is just ingrained in me. So I got a chance to talk to him, but I had to reschedule it the last minute because of a weird doctor's thing I had. And I thought, oh, fuck, I've blown my chance to talk to, to Peter Frampton. Well, he called me back the next day as scheduled. And the first thing he asked was about my health. Wow. You know, he had 20, 20 phone interviews scheduled for, for this tour. And the first thing he says, you know, Bob, are, are you okay? I heard you had to go to the doctors yesterday. And I just thought that was wildly, wildly generous. And then uh, my brother and I got to go backstage and, and spend some time with him when he played the Woodlands. And I got him to sign my little uh, bubblegum card from the Sergeant Peppers movie. And he kind of laughed at that. But uh, <laughs> super, uh, just super nice, super generous guy. Is And I went to his farewell tour at the Woodlands uh, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago. And just uh, a really great performer. Probably my number one snub uh for somebody who should be in the rock and roll hall of fame who's not and that's a that's a whole other you know podcast we could do about that uh by the way I, i've got to say guys i'm i'm a little uh upset that i've got a, you kind of pulled a bait and switch on me here because uh you know this is called slapper cast and i was hoping to see some slappers and instead it's just <laughs> you two guys and uh you know i uh i think there's a little false advertising there so uh. We we gotta lure them in, you know. We just gotta, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll I, I don't know. We'll come up with something down the road. But um, but I, I would like to say, you know, when you get this thing going, when you when you fire this thing up, if if we can do anything to help push this thing, we'd love to love to help. I, I I'm dying yeah. to read it. But yeah, you know. so, like I said, I'm working on that book. Um, I've got my website is classicrockbob.com that has a lot of my writings, and uh, of course, uh, four years ago, I, I put out my biography on the group War. That I spent uh, three and a half years going around the country, talking to band members, uh, doing research, and it was the uh, it's the first biography of, of that band who uh, who is, is very near and dear to me. Wow, oh, wow cool. Well, I mean, nice. I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because it, I can tell in your I can tell just by by meeting you, I can tell that you know that you've just extensively uh, you know you've been around as as, as the ladies say. But uh, <laughs> let, let me ask you this: so so every every week on this thing, we kill a song. And we we shine light on a song that somebody. I uh, uh, guess I should have warned you about this earlier, but uh, so, so basically, so what we do, we just we just take the the first song that comes to your mind that just shouldn't ever have made it to the chart. It doesn't even have to be that; just a song that just drives you up the wall that you would love to see wiped off the face of the earth, and then and you can do it in whichever order you want. But the other one is then we shine a light on a song that maybe people have forgotten about or don't know. Or Chad's Chad's great about you know 
going like you know the b-side you know like incredibly deep on these b-side cuts you know where we just like i didn't know he you know he, you know marvin gay and lemmy you know recorded a, a night you know a children's <laughs> nurse, you know he, he, he finds this stuff and i'm just like where the fuck that so let me ask you is there a song that you can come to the top of your head right now that you just like to kill that just shouldn't exist yeah, I, I and every time it comes on the radio, my entire family, my uh, my wife and and my two, Lori and my two kids, Emma and Vincent, they look at me and laugh, and that's Bob Seger's "Turn the Page." Now I love Bob Seger, awesome artist. You know, I, I've got a ton of his albums. I saw him in concert, but when that sax solo hits and it comes on the radio, I just freaking hate that song because you know life on the road and you're a long-haired hippie yeah. and people don't they just are like oh god i cannot fucking stand it so when that alto read that you know r.i.p rest in peace alto read but when that sax solo comes on the radio it's an immediate uh channel Switch. channel flip so yeah. sorry i know a lot of people love it but uh yeah no, uh, the- turn the page by bob seger i can't 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 abide by it. So. I, I I couldn't agree more. We've killed with all the Eagles songs. I think the whole Eagle and Eric Clapton catalog are gone. But sorry, so 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 go. So then a, a song that people might not know or that needs a little bit of light. I guess a, a solo artist that I think is really underrated and that I'm a big fan of is Dave Mason. And uh, you know he did a lot of great stuff with Traffic and yeah. and and I love Traffic as a band, but. Um, another one of my father's favorite artists and had all his albums. And uh, I think that first album that Dave Mason did alone together is really great. And the song that I love to hear when it comes on the radio is only, you know, and I know, and I know there have been a couple of other different versions of it. I think Delaney and Bonnie did a version as well, but uh, I like, I like Dave's version. Wow. That's, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Our dear, I don't know if you ever got to meet or interview uh, the late, great Davey Bryan, uh, he lived in Houston for for quite a long time, but Dave Mason was one of his all time favorites, and we listened to it together. I, I went to say goodbye to him before he passed, but we, uh, I mean, yeah, I, again because of Davey, I, I got to listen to a lot of Dave Mason, and yeah, incredible, incredible yeah, stuff. Yeah, I just I I always loved uh, loved him, and at one point uh, he and I were going to work on his autobiography, and. Uh, you know, we had some meetings and I've interviewed him probably about 10 times over the years and it, it kind of fell through, but, uh, he does have a book coming out, uh, in May for his 75th birthday. So, oh, cool. uh, I think Dave Mason is a, is a solo artist is often, often overlooked. Yeah. Big time. Nice. That's great, man. That's, 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 that's wonderful. Um, yeah, you, 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 you handled that very, very well. I like, like to spring that on, but man, <laughs> I, I, I know that we've, I know that we've, uh, definitely, cut a chunk out of your day and I, I yeah you know I really really appreciate you coming on and seriously let's come back on when we you know do the book or you know get something else going but that you know let us help if we can help in any way that would be I, I can't wait to read yeah, it I, I appreciate that guys and and yeah, it was great and it was great chatting with you and uh uh yeah I would love to, to do something again and maybe you know a show about again rock hall snubs I think yeah. that would be a pretty yeah. cool thing it's, it's I'm, I'm obsessed with this topic beyond belief is you know Who's not in that should be in? Who's in that that shouldn't be, should in? Not be um, in? At one point, a couple of years ago, I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I was able to get an interview with Greg Harris, who's the president of C- and CEO of it. And you know, I had like ten minutes with him, and and I made my pitch for Bad Company there. And I realized just you know, one guy, one guy can't make the decision, but you know, so many bands that that I think should be in there that aren't. You know, 
uh, bad company. As I mentioned, Peter Frampton, Jethro Tull, Styx. I mean, there, there's a ton of bands that really should be in there and not so much the, uh, you know, the Madonnas or, you know, the, the soul people that had one hit wonders and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, don't get me started though. <laughs> yeah. No, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, let's do the rock yeah, and roll. You know, we'll get it. We'll get a few people in on there to, 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 to make sure this thing spins wildly out of control. I yeah. love it. Thanks for being here, Bob. That was awesome. No, I, I appreciate well, it. This was cool. So. Yeah, yeah. So let's we'll, do, we'll do let's this definitely again. do it again. And and, and it, it's it's a uh, we'll put your put your Twitter handle up on there too because people need to uh, people yeah. need to go and 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 see that it's, it's wonderful. And and you you yeah, are yeah, the you're, you're, you're a Houston treasure. <laughs> I yes, you are. I don't know about that. And Patrick, maybe you could get your uh, um, you know technical problems done next time because you know, I don't know right now I'm looking at you. Or a camera, like you know, somebody spread jizz on it or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, you know, really? I, I, I've been up for a while, so you know, <laughs> I've knocked one thing off my list of things to do: jizz on screen. That's good. Very good. <laughs> so let's uh, let's um, you know, we, we we got a lot of stuff to do. We're uh, what today is Tuesday. We're leaving in a few hours to go to uh, to Arizona, and. Uh, but uh, we, we, you know, as always, we like to thank our Patreon folks, and also uh, we want to thank everybody for uh, for um, commenting on the last episode. We'd asked a few questions, and we got lickety split answers. Right. Thank you very much. We love when you it join worked. in like that. Any yeah, questions absolutely. or comments, or if you would like to uh, critique Chad on his answers and his uh, kills, you, you <laughs> feel free to do that. The rest of them will be deleted. Uh, no, but uh, no, really, really appreciate that. And, you know, we're we're uh, just so grateful to all of you and uh, for listening and uh, hit that subscribe button. I, you know, we can't we can't leave without saying that. So, anything else? Yeah, and thanks again, Bob. I'm sure Bob we'll do that again. Top, top we, dog, Bob. As we talked about. Yep. Top dog, Bob. There you go. Yeah, and also keep your uh, can't you check out his website too. Uh, just yeah, uh, yeah. I, I as the first thing I did, I just get. Guys, guys, brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. So, um, and yeah, also I'm look really for the, uh, maybe we'll put this at the end since we're wrapping it up, but, uh, also look for this rock and roll hall of fame snub edition of Slappercast. Yes. So we'll, we'll probably snub yeah. cast or, uh, yeah, you know, we may re-snub some of the names he says. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, some of them we may not have an argument with, Yeah, but, uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, very good stuff. But uh, all of you, thank you, and uh, join us on our trip. We'll be on we'll blackguards.com and all our social media media pages. Come check us out. Um, we'll be sharing clips throughout the trip and uh, jump in the van with us. Come on, it'll be fun. Yeah, we drive real fucking fast and we don't we don't sleep. So come on. Yeah, next episode's gonna be on the road. So stay tuned. Indeed.